Welcome to the Talking Recruitment Podcast from the REC. Every week we look at all the latest insights, perspectives and experiences from across our diverse recruitment industry. Hello everyone and welcome along to another episode of Talking Recruitment, the REC podcast. My name is Neil Carberry, the REC Chief Executive. It's great to have you listening in on another discussion and uh, today we're going to dig into a big area of policy work for the REC at the moment and our work with government and with members to influence the future regulatory structure of the industry and that's talking about umbrella companies. So look forward to talking that through with our guest in just a few moments but uh, before we move on just a couple of reminders if you are thinking thinking about how to scale up your business in 2022 and thinking about developing those management skills across your team or for yourself. The REC Management Academy launches in February. Do check that out on the website. It's a great opportunity with a fantastic trainer to build up those skills to move away from being a great recruiter into being a great leader and manager of a recruitment business. It's a long-term program, builds up over months, well worth your time. Do have a look at that online at rec.uk.com. Other thing I'll draw your attention to is obviously we're moving through the month of January. Do remember to check in on your REC membership at the on the website or by talking to your account manager. Uh, we, we've had a fantastic response to our renewal communication this year. So many members have come back and and renewed for 2022 already. Don't Please don't miss out. I don't want you ha- having any of that formal. Do check out the renewals pages on the REC website or talk to your account manager now about renewing for 2022. The amount of work we've got to do this year in terms of regulation, campaigning for the industry, talking to clients, helping you scale up with our new business growth services, fantastic training offers like that new management academy. Lots coming from the REC this year. We do it for you. We are your organization. Do check out our renewal content. And if you haven't had a chance yet, just click through on all of that, either online or with your account manager. Now, let's turn to the topic for today. And I'm delighted to welcome back to the pod one of our regular guests, Lorraine Laryi, the uh, REC Standards Director. Hello, Lorraine. Welcome back to the podcast. Hi, Neil. It is good to be back. Good to be back in 2022. Well, I think we had hoped the next time we recorded a pod together, we might actually be in the same place. And maybe we'll get there by the end of January, but we're not quite there yet. I think things are heading in the right direction. So hopefully very soon. Gently optimistic. That's the mood I get from a lot of the industry right now as well. Now, what we're going to do today is talk a bit about the debate around umbrella companies, umbrella company regulation. And of course, that is in response to government moving quite swiftly in terms of gathering evidence about umbrella companies. This is something that's been hanging around for a long time, very much uh, picked up by the debate around IR35 as well uh, and the changes in the private sector last April. Where's the pressure for government to regulate umbrella companies and and change the the approach to them coming from, Lorraine? A couple of different directions. Um, As you said, this has been kicking around for a long time. It goes right back, I think, to the Matthew Taylor review that uh, some people might remember was commissioned back in 2016 that looked at the modern working practices. Um, And then the government's response to that in 2018, um, they outlined a proposal to bring umbrella companies within regulation. Um, I think aside from government, it's an area that trade unions have had concerns about. There have been issues for workers and, uh, so temporary workers in understanding 
what it means to work through an umbrella company, particularly as umbrella companies have stretched into different markets where candidates aren't necessarily like limited company contractors who've got that familiarity. And I think the recruitment industry itself wants to see some regulation um, where there are stories about bad practices with umbrella companies, it tarnishes the whole of the industry. So there's a few different areas that uh, this is coming from, but government definitely has got a drive to do this. We did expect to see some form of regulation or legislation or regulation introduced in the Queen's speech last year, but that didn't happen. But where we've got to with an initial stage is just trying to nail down a definition of umbrella companies. So we're, we're on the road to some form of regulation. That's really interesting. I think you put your finger on something that's important for every recruitment firm, staffing firm, which is there is clearly a role for payroll companies. You know, I, th- I don't think uh, any of us think that it should be a legislative requirement that every agency runs its own payroll. But on the other side, there are a number of questions, both about fair treatment of workers, as you've made clear, and on fair competition between agencies, just to make sure that practice in this area is consistent with the best standards that we'd all hold to. And that makes it quite a complex discussion to have about getting that regulation right. You've hinted already that the broad view of REC members is that regulation is necessary, and I think that was linked to the to the R35 change, you know, one of the things that members asked us to say repeatedly in the run-up to the changes to R35 is that umbrella company regulation is an absolutely necessary corollary of making those changes. But since the government's started to stick its toe in the water in terms of making some changes to regulation with this call for evidence, how have we been talking to REC members about what the right approach would be? Well, we've taken a few actions. We started last year to outline our ideas and what we thought think that uh, regulation for umbrella companies should look like. We've had engagement with the PC, the Employment Policy Committee, um, to just test some of those ideas. So that was the first touch to set out a policy paper, which we published and is on our website, which just outlined the key things that we think need to be included in that umbrella company regulation. And then in November last year, uh, HMRC, in conjunction with Treasury and Bayes, launched a call for evidence on the umbrella company market. That's something that we've made members aware of. This call for evidence closes on the 22nd of February, and we want to make sure that members have an opportunity to feed in their thoughts on that call for evidence. We are hosting a roundtable event with HMRC on the 25th of January, which we have uh, sent comms out to members to invite participation. And that's to make sure that uh, HMRC gets to hear the view from across section of uh, of REC members. And I know the the uptake on that round table was really high, so much so that I think we've got another one in the works, which hopefully will help more members get engaged. I think there's a sense there of across the membership, whether it's the kind of formal policy committees like our Employment Policy Committee. I know I've talked to the REC board about it. Certainly, we've had discussions about it in all of our regional and more ad hoc meetings that we have with members. So the the, the ear's really been to the ground for the last four 
or five months on this for REC staff. Can you just paint as a picture, Lorraine, on what you think you're seeing emerge as a kind of consensus position that, that will form the basis of the REC's response? Yeah, certainly. I, I, I mean, I think we recognise that umbrella companies are not going to be banned. There is a risk that in simply banning them, some of the practices that we see could simply move into some other form and then we'd be back to the start in trying to find some way of regulating that. So that's something that we un- understand. But certainly we, we're with the view that there need to be reciprocal obligations between employment businesses, between our members and umbrella companies. So for example, the key information document that was introduced in April 2020, this is an obligation that falls on the employment business to provide this document to candidates right at the outset of the relationship so that there's clarity about who that candidate is going to be paid by, who they're going to be engaged by, any deductions or payments. Now, that's something that the employment business has to give. But when working with an umbrella company, they're only able to provide the information that they need if the umbrella company gives them that information in good time to meet their obligations. Umbrella companies don't have any legal obligation to provide that information at the moment. But once they come into regulation, we'd want to see reciprocal obligations so that they can be held to account if they don't provide that. So those reciprocal obligations are important. Um, There are also many other obligations that fall on employment businesses that umbrella companies currently uh, don't face the same obligations. So we want to see some of those provisions rolled out to umbrella companies. So, for example, there are restrictions on employment businesses requiring candidates to use certain services in order to, to get work finding services. That's not something that applies to umbrella companies. We also think that it's really important that there is a lot more transparency um, around the fees and payments that are in the supply chain when an umbrella company uh, is is engaged. So there need to be provisions that require some disclosure of the payments that are made or received in that supply chain, much as we see in, for example, referral fees with the sale of financial products. And we think that'll give a lot more confidence about these umbrella companies. And it's also important that at the moment the umbrella companies can opt out of the conduct regulations as a limited company contractor. And that's something that needs to go so that umbrella companies are treated as a commercial arrangement in the supply chain rather than having the same protections as individuals. So those are the key things that we, we're looking for. And those are all outlined in our policy paper, which uh, members will have a chance to look at and then respond to the call for evidence. I think that's really important in terms of, I know, I know how much time the team has put into understanding members' perspective on this and shaping an agenda which is widely shared. Clearly, the process of passing legislation like this is complex and will take time. But I think also important that we help government find the the right balance between effective protection of fair competition and of uh, workers on the one hand and protection of our flexible, the flexibility of our labour market on the other. And I think the the set of proposals that we're working up, and I think he, I don't think it's telling too many stories. I was going to say that the the kind of very lively and effective conversation that we've managed to build up with Bayes and with other parts of government on this 
feels like there's a bit of the beginnings of a bit of a meeting in my of minds on a way forward. Is that reasonable, Lorraine? Yeah, I think that clearly is a consensus in some areas. The call for evidence is important. It's targeted not just at businesses, but also at individual workers. So they'll be able to give their side of the experience. I think it's important to say that the REC has had engagement with trade unions. And whilst we might not have completely identical views on every single point, we certainly do have consensus on those key areas around some of the provisions that are needed to protect workers because their protection is part of the importance of the recruitment industry's reputation as as well. But just to go back to the point that you mentioned, Neil, certainly the introduction of IO35 has very much fueled recruiters' interest in, in regulation in this area because it did cause a lot of workers to be pushed out to work through umbrella companies where they were working through their own limited companies previously. So that definitely has been a, a key factor. That's interesting. It's interesting you mentioned trade unions discussions that we've been having. I, I, I disagree. I, sorry, I, I, I couldn't agree more with that. Sorry, I misspoke. I always agree with you, Lorraine, as you know. But there's a alternative. The other side of that, of course, is the representative bodies for the umbrellas, and in particular the FCSA. And I think it's important to note at this point that we're having the same sort of discussions with them, and that the FCSA itself is supportive of, of effective regulation. So I think there's a kind of a broad meeting of minds that something needs to happen. And you've already set out earlier in the pod some of the things that we think are important. Now, clearly, individual REC members listening to this will be thinking about what I think, what what do I think needs to be flagged up in this? They've clearly got a bit of time into February to put their own thoughts forward, which we are, of course, very happy to support members to do. But if members want to feed in on the REC's position, how can they do that? Yeah, so we've got the initial call for evidence which will give members uh, an opportunity to put forward their thoughts and uh, ideas on this to HMRC. But they can also contact us at the REC with their their views. But we'd also like to see members responding to the roundtable. Certainly, we've sent out comms to members. They can email our campaigns team with uh, any particular views. But yeah, there is a, there is a cross-section of views from smaller businesses to larger businesses, businesses that are able to run their own payroll, businesses that have had to scale up very, very quickly. There are some examples of businesses that have had to scale up very quickly during the pandemic to to meet demand and a variety of reasons for using umbrella companies and also reasons why other members may have chosen not to use umbrella companies. And all of those views are really important in getting the regulation to look like what it needs to be for the industry. Yeah, I think this is exactly, it's an art as well as a science to get the right level of flexibility and the right level of protection in place. And I suppose the big thing I'd encourage everyone listening to the podcast to do is to check out what the REC is saying on our website, consider making your own submission to HMRC, but also engage with our submission and get in touch with the campaigns team, with the standards team, with myself to tell us, you know, where we've got it right and where maybe there's a challenge because I think there's going to be a long period this year of crafting some regulation for the umbrella company sector that we want to make sure we get right and which is additive to the growth uh, potential of the sector as well as achieving its goals on on protection. But just before we, we move too far beyond this question of umbrella company regulation, Lorraine, there's also 
the sense that this time scale is quite long. I mean, you mentioned the Matthew Taylor Review. I remember sitting in the audience at the launch of the Matthew Taylor Review, which was just after the 2017 general election. Here we are almost five years on. So the wheels of government turn slowly. We do expect this legislation to be brought forward during this year. But realistically, very earliest, it'll come into forces 2023 and possibly even later than that. And there are challenges and risks to recruitment firms out there now with how they might be using umbrella companies. Have you got two or three little tips for REC members and on how to get their due diligence and supply chains right with umbrellas now, bearing in mind that we might not see a legislative change for another year or two yet? I think one of the things that is really important is if members are looking to use an umbrella company for the first time, if they're coming into this area, or indeed with the umbrella companies they're already using, is to make sure they actually understand arrangement that they've entered into with that umbrella company. We do see through sometimes calls that come in through our, our legal helpline or where things have escalated to complaints, all of these things are dealt with by the standards team, situations where the employment business perhaps hasn't fully understood the arrangement that they've entered into. So that's really important. We do have a template due diligence checklist that members can use when they are working with an umbrella company. It's something we are going to be putting a few tweaks to just to make it a little bit easier to read, a bit more customer friendly and some other tweaks. But the checklist in itself provides quite a robust set of um, questions just to run through to understand that the umbrella company that people are working with is meeting sort of minimum minimum requirements. So those things are, are quite important. I did mention the key information document previously and it has been an area that um, sometimes proved difficult for employment businesses to ensure they're meeting their obligations and there may need to be a bit of a push to make sure that the umbrella company is really providing that information that's needed to properly meet requirements when issuing the key information document. And I think just another thing that, that I'd add is the sort of practices that are negative with some umbrella companies, obviously it's not the entire market, is where they're using some sort of tax mitigation scheme. And this can sometimes be unknown to the employment business. So it's really important that the employment business makes all of those inquiries to understand fully how the umbrella company will be operating. Thanks, Lorraine. I think that's a really powerful insight. And it's about the call to action here is really do your homework on what you're doing. There's lots of resources on the REC website to help you do that. And obviously the legal helplines available to help point people in the right direction. But it's also take the opportunity to shape the the agenda for the future here, because I do think there's a more holistic debate starting to happen. And I think we saw that just before Christmas when we were having discussions with uh, provide, with providers on the education framework about whether some forms of joint employment models that had been developed by umbrella providers were sustainable at, under the the terms of the education framework. And of course, when you dug into it, I think for different reasons, from tax reasons, which people were very focused on in schools, those more those models were not sustainable. And that's where we, you know, for us as the REC, it was about helping members to make sure that they were doing the compliance on on complying not just with tax law, but also with the requirements of the framework. And these complexities I think are really important, aren't they, to members 
feeling confident that they ticked every box they need to tick to supply in complex sectors. The most complex sectors, of course, for this are, are education and healthcare. Yeah, that's a really key point that you've mentioned there, Neil. We we know what I suppose a traditional umbrella company model looks like, but like other businesses, umbrella companies can look to diversify the way that they provide their services. In this particular scenario that you're referring to, Neil, we did deal with a, a member that uh, had been introduced to a slightly different type of supply model. And we were able to sort of review that model and, and look at how that sat with uh, some of their other obligations under the industry legislation, the RBC Code of Practice, and also in, in this instance, a, a, a government framework. And, and some of that didn't marry up. So uh, if you mentioned the legal helpline, the legal helpline is is open to members to, to get in touch if they've got any queries around new models or existing models that they're working with, and we can provide all the support that members need to help guide them in the right direction. Fantastic. Thank you, Lorraine. So message here is do you do due diligence. If it looks too good to be true, ask further questions and let us hear what you have to say, but also let HMRC hear what you have to say on the call for evidence on regulation, because regulation of payroll providers umbrellas is coming. They have a valid place in the market. Uh, the REC has warm relations with different people in the uh, in the umbrella company world. But this is a moment just to get it right and to focus on the kind of standards that we apply to ourselves in the uh, recruitment and staffing industry, making sure those standards push through to our supply chain in terms of umbrella companies. Lorraine, that's been really a fantastic insight into the work that the, te- that the team are doing. In terms of the way forward, uh, just keeping in touch via the website, via the legal updates and, uh, and via the helpline with uh, requirements as they change. Is that the right uh, agenda for REC members listening into this? Absolutely. And this is going to run a bit more of a course before we get to an end. So we will have lots of updates um, through our regular comms and uh, legal publications. We'll keep members posted. Lorraine, thanks for joining us today on the podcast. Always good to have you along. And thank you to all our listeners for joining us on this episode of Talking Recruitment, the REC podcast. If you enjoyed this one, uh, why not uh, dig into episode one for 2022, which was Jess Market Chief Economist Chris Williamson on the outlook for the economy in 2022. Or uh, perhaps the last episode of 2021, episode 24 there was Amanda Fawn of F1 Recruitment talking about equality, diversity and inclusion in in the industry and our role in driving it. Some fantastic content there to keep you warm on these cold, I was going to say these cold January nights, but the mornings and afternoons aren't much warmer at the moment either. I hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. Do join us again for another episode of Talking Recruitment, the REC podcast. Thank you for listening and I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Join me for another episode soon. And check out our back catalogue at rec.uk.com to catch up on some other fantastic discussions that are really helpful for recruiters. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify. So subscribe to REC Podcasts to never miss an episode.